0: Print is dead. God, how many times have I heard that since the birth inception of the internet and ever since then. Print is dead. Nobody nobody reads newspapers anymore. Nobody reads books anymore. Nobody reads magazines anymore. And yet and yet why is it that every Sunday morning if I can and if I can't I get extremely disappointed why is it every Sunday morning that I sit in my favorite chair with not one but two newspapers and a pot of black coffee and gently go into that Sunday morning for the next three to four hours reading newspapers and why is it that after the uh, trials and tribulations of a crap day Do I get home, and if I have the opportunity, sit down once again in my favorite chair, this time with a favorite bourbon and a book, a real book with pages that are dog-eared and a binding, a book with pages that I turn with my own finger, not swipe left or swipe up to see what page will be next? No, 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 no Kindles, no nooks, no online reading or eBooks. Oh shit, I rhymed. I didn't mean to, I apologize. Welcome to Whiskey Business. I'm Dino Tripodis, and Whiskey Business, as you know by now, is a podcast not so much about whiskey as it is one with whiskey. And tonight the guest bottle is Knob Creek Straight Rye Whiskey because I'll be talking with a gentleman who shoots it straight and who has a wry, if I may capitalize on a different word, sense of humor, and also is involved in a magazine. You remember magazines, don't you people? You should, because I just read recently where circulation of said magazines has increased in the last five years, not decreased. So don't tell me that print is dead as we welcome. Our guest, editor of 614 magazine. Travis, say your last name for me because I keep messing it up. Haywisher. Haywisher. Yeah. It doesn't say Ger- very German. Very German. Very German Midwest Ohio. 614 Magazine is if wherever you're listening to whiskey business, if it's if it's in Columbus, Ohio, or if it's in some other part of the country, you all have these types of magazines, these beautiful free magazines that are circulated. Some, some are better than others. Some are just okay. 614 Magazine has had a distinction right out of the gate, I might add, of being a pretty cool magazine that, honestly, I would probably subscribe to it if it wasn't for free. I mean, it's one of the better compliments I can pay you. I'm like, would you
1: mind uh, recording that and then maybe emailing that to my boss? I can do that. That'd be
0: great. How did it start? How did Six One Four magazine start?
1: Six One Four was an offshoot, actually, of U Weekly, which was a campus newsprint. In fact, I think we're as of right now about eight years ago. Right, right about this time, eight years ago. Maybe the more succinct question is why it started. I think you kind of alluded to it, and this is my own editorializing a little bit. But you are
0: the editor. But there were, yeah, that's right.
1: I think that everybody up until a certain point um, in Columbus history tried to make a magazine or a publication that tried to tried to shift the perception of Columbus so hard that they were breaking their necks it was trying to focus on either the the incredibly niche alt underground or the incredibly the even more niche sort of posh soho like parts of Columbus and, right. and none of it ever really felt right and I think all those magazines I won't say that they were terrible, but they always just had this feeling of trying to create some lifestyle that didn't really exist here. and uh, I'm not just saying this to be modest, but we started a magazine at a time where um it felt risky but felt right. Mm-hmm. you know it was in the middle of the recession, but yeah, Columbus, great time, great time to start a magazine of course, yeah, yeah, Prince dead now let's try it like mm-hmm. in the choppiest of seas. But uh, I was telling somebody today, and I've said this very often. It's not just being falsely modest. Like the magazine is as old as the city's current renaissance, so we don't know a time where our attempt was to make a cool magazine where the city wasn't also tripling those efforts. Right. People that fled to the suburbs right. decades ago now are seeing downtown as the as their kind of local tourist destination. Right. So all that started changing when we came around, and we're a very different magazine than when we started because so is the city. We have more interesting shit to talk about because the city has mm-hmm. more of it.
0: Let's talk about your, your, your history leading up to being editor of 614 Magazine. Were you a journalism major in, in school? um not only am i was i
1: not a journalism major not a journalism. i've major. never taken a journalism class
0: okay so interesting <laughs> how do, how do you come down this path that you've been on and prior to 614 magazine i
1: mean i got the newspaper bug i think the same way you did i mean i like that was entertainment when i was a kid i grew up on a farm we didn't have cable i think until i was like 14. Mm-hmm. i was a huge sports kid and you know like my my sort of like culture absorption Past network TV was reading the newspaper over my dad's shoulder. In fact, he used to get pissed at me all the time because, yeah, because if I got to the newspaper before he did, I'd want to tell him all the stuff that was in there, and he'd be like, "You're ruining it for me." Yeah, and <laughs> don't be a bastard here. Yeah,
0: I, re- I remember the same thing that uh, when when the old man would get home from work, that would be that would be kind of a, almost ceremonial. That once he got in his chair and he you know had the paper, that was his time and don't don't fuck with it
1: and the funny thing is now that you mentioned it i don't know if i ever really put this together but that is why you want to do what i do is you kind of have to be that weird little nosy kid or Mm -hmm. like the one that wants to tell somebody something interesting every time you want to be the first person to tell somebody how about this oh you oh you want to go out for a drink you know where you need to go do this it's just something i enjoy it truly is like I, i don't do that because i have this job like i I have a genuine kind of appreciation for Columbus and also just sort of thrilled that after being kind of the same, kind of feeling like the same city for a very long time, it's rapidly gone through these kind of like revolutions and it's and it's kind of fun to watch. When did
0: that start, in your opinion? Honestly, around
1: 2007,
0: 2008. Yeah, yeah, I, when mean, it really I, mean, I mean, the short to, north is I the, mean, a noticeable
1: the, shift. Yeah, the short north is the benchmark, I think. You know, I mean, like, I wasn't around for like the the early early days of the short north you know when people kind of think about like you know the the coffee table and art galleries and queer coffee shops and all the all the great things that really make Mm -hmm. a neighborhood kind of renewed again um but yeah i mean i remember i remember living in victorian village as early as like 2010 2011 and you know like it, it felt like you could walk up and down high street and just like hop in this art gallery here and have a beer and somebody's playing music in the back and you know like it was it was thrilling, you know. I think I think that's really what kind of happened is like Columbus's, Columbus's adopted from the Midwest kind of inferiority complex, you know, coupled with people I think trying to find like a cheaper, easier way of life, but also with some culture, kind of fueled this whole. Just sort of like, hey, you know, places actually kind of cool. Like, like Columbus became like the dive bar of like cities, right? Where it was like, oh, you want something that feels real? And I remember <laughs> How about when go to Columbus when
0: there was nothing but dive bars in the short yeah. north and now there's only one <laughs> per se i mean that's an actual still a dive bar oh my God, i wanted to just
1: clink my glass like thank you mike's so yeah exactly i was like, exactly. just, I was like <laughs> you can develop short north and downtown all you want just don't touch my dive D- bars just make sure that leave mike's alone leave mike's alone I, I still want to go to a place with a gravel patio Mm-hmm. And elementary school benches out there, just whatever the hell they found or somewhere. Or where you
0: go and you buy a round for seven people, and she tells you that'll be $19. Yeah. I yeah. Said, and I said, no, for everybody. She goes, that is everybody. Yeah. Yeah. yeah
1: thank you for the 19 <laughs> jello shots on a paper plate. I can feel like salting around here. Oh, yeah. But, 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 but I mean, to your point, I think, I mean, if we're doing it right, and this happens to coincide with my opinion about the city this is my general mantra is like, don't try to make Columbus something that it's not. There's a lot of things it can be. And we're seeing that with the way that businesses take root. But we also see brand new restaurants or brand new bars that try to capitalize on this new hip Columbus. And you can, Mm -hmm. you can smell the fakes a mile away. And I think they don't do well as a result. And so you have all these, and I won't name names because you know, like, it's not no reason to. to, but there's, but there's, I think people can tell the difference between somebody who's just kind of trying to make a quick buck and trying to like ride a wave and people who are just sort of like, "No, nah, I've been here for a while. I've been around the block. I've taken a while to decide what my contribution to Columbus is going to be." And like and you know, Columbus is a lot more than just that cool dirty dive bar or music venue you like to go to, and you shouldn't be an elitist asshole about that. And you also shouldn't think that Columbus is only that brand that two-year-old high-rise downtown right. and the park by your house because it's all of that and i think that's what i like about the midwest yeah. like like i grew up on a farm columbus was a big city to me right and half of the rest of columbus feels like people that you know grew up in chicago they're like oh this is kind of nice kind of like a sleepy little town and everybody
0: kind of like interacts the same way do you think that we're uh getting rid of the cow town stigma or yeah. do you think that's part of our charm still
1: I guess that's a good question. It dep- I'd say my opinion on that depends on who's saying it. Right. I mean, I've written in the magazine a lot. Probably, I mean, if anybody was paying attention, they'd probably be like, wow, he's really kind of got a hard-on for this. But, like, I, I've said before, essentially, that we don't really have a reputation problem. Our problem is we can't shut the fuck up about it. <laughs> People can't stop. People in Columbus can't stop crowing about how we're worthy of attention right. long enough to realize like, we don't need it anymore. Right. I don't give a shit what somebody in New York or L.A. thinks of Columbus. If somebody comes here from there and they're like, you know what? I came here for a job and I was kind of pissed about it. Now I've been here for six years. That uh-huh. that does make me proud. Right. As a person who's proud of Columbus as like a Midwest dude, that does make you proud. But that's a far cry from kind of walking around being like, look at us, look at us. And then sometimes when people look at us and they move here and people are like, get out of here, you coastal <laughs> bastards. It's too expensive. <laughs> you know, like, you can't have it both ways.
0: Yeah. I actually run across people who sometimes pine for the days of old when Columbus was a little sleepier and, and, and more cow-towny. You know, they they don't like how we've advanced.
1: I mean, let's put it this way to all of you listening. If you want to find the sleepy cow town parts of Columbus, you can find it. Them. ain't hard to find. It ain't hard to find. Let's not at all. act like this just turned into Austin overnight. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? If you want to find some places that are a little bit dirtier or rough around the edges or feel more like your daddy or grandpa's Columbus, you can they're, find that too. They're there. Yeah.
0: Yeah. There's
1: always going to be the trendsters that want to like go to the brand new places, and some of them are awesome. And some of them, you know, I I might send somebody that was out of town, depending on what their style was. But most of the time, you know, it's like let me go show you O'Reilly's.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, we but, did yeah. one of the podcasts we did was uh, the essence of the dive bar, and we talked about the the we we could have talked for hours because we didn't get to all of them, but we covered quite a few bases as far as far as dive bars and what makes a good dive bar and the essence of a dive bar and. and and where some of these dive bars are, but once again, you get into that pretentious, uh, fake thing where you get some some places that try to evoke that feeling of a dive bar, but you're not a dive bar. You're just no. trying to pretend to be a dive bar.
1: It's a tough. It's a tough like balance too, because this this is the same. Pro- I mean, I don't live there, but this is the same problem in Brooklyn or Williamsburg mm-hmm. or any other gentrified parts of New York, right? Mm-hmm. People come from the Midwest or they come from wherever, and they're like now oh, take me to like the real new york bar and if a bunch of outsiders and tourists and young hipsters and young professionals keep going to the the real bar some people feel like well the real bar isn't real anymore right yeah cuz it's not full of the old drunks and it's, like the dudes with stories and it's full of like people kind of like it's a, and there's
0: there's a weird balance there cuz i'm part of that too ends up being quite the conundrum a little bit a little bit <laughs> go back to to uh, to what I was talking about uh, previously when you said you know you had that that fascination with newspapers what was your course of study what were you supposed to be
1: i told somebody that i thought i was going to be a basketball coach and high school teacher i thought that's what it, i thought i wanted to be it, i actually found a document they make you you know fill out like a it's called like a career passport or something. Everybody in Ohio high school kind of had to do this thing where you're like, here's what I'm going to do. I
0: vaguely remember something like that. And I found it
1: a couple years back, and I turned to the back, and it was like your statement of intention. It was like, I plan to go to Ohio State University, major in communications, and eventually work for a magazine or newspaper, and primarily in sports. And I was like, holy shit, I meant to be this. So you (laughs) wrote it down. But there were times where I was like, what the fuck am i doing like i'm making no money i'm eating beef jerky and hot dogs in my car every night which is a cool story if you're on the road as a comic or a musician instead i was a yeah. high school sports writer so there were times where i was just like shit did i do my lean early 20s wrong like everybody else is like oh yeah i was broke as hell but i was in yosemite or i was in new york city or i was in memphis and like i was i was in a." Uh, Fairfield County at a sports banquet, you know, like not the same thing, but it felt like slumming it the same way. So no, I got a degree in communications, really didn't know what I wanted to do. I got an internship for a high school sports magazine. Probably my first lesson in journalism. That I still tell to some of my interns now. Uh, I remember them saying like, well, an intern could do everything from filing stuff away to just sending emails to organizing things, unless you're working on a story. Mm-hmm. And I was just like, okay, sounds like I could either be doing shit work or I could be doing fun work. And so I that that sparked something in my head where I was like, well, I'm going to pitch them stories to work on. They gave me a writing test, and I put it together. And I, as I was doing it, I was even like, huh, this feels kind of this feels <laughs> right. This feels like I've done this before. Yeah. And I think it's because I I spent all those years just reading newspapers all the time, and again, primarily sports. Right. That's 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 really really accessible to like an eight or nine year old you don't know anything about politics or or government but you're like oh i've been watching the reds i've been watching the browns like i have context here you know like i know how to write this and so that started that started me going that led to me writing high school sports articles for my hometown paper <clears throat> whenever which i was, came home which was sydney daily news in shelby county shelby county sydney daily news just so happened i saw a uh, saw a uh, an ad for the job opening at the Circleville Herald for the sports editor job. It's a, and I was highly unqualified.
0: Were you happy t- to get it though? Oh,
1: being oh hell yeah yeah. I mean, after I was done with it, I was like, I can't believe I did that for that many days. I mean, I mean, I worked every I worked every Sunday for three years.
0: Not a single Sunday off. But don't you find that to be the case sometimes? I mean, you're talking about the. Uh being a sports editor at a small-town newspaper like Circleville, but what what the focus is and what what's on top of mine is, man, I am, doesn't matter where I'm doing it, I'm doing what I love to do and I'm doing it every day. Yeah. And, and, and I'm getting it out there. And this is my work and this is my love and my joy. Do I hope to sometimes bump it up a level to the next level? Sure. But... But at that particular time, wasn't there satisfaction in the fact that oh, I'm doing what I want to
1: do? Well, two things. I mean, I think anybody would be lying if they said anybody in radio like yourself or print, people would be lying that to say there wasn't a little bit of exciting ego in it. Yeah. Like, like I've always said, like, when you stop getting excited about seeing your name in print or being able to deliver a story to somebody, then you probably shouldn't do it anymore. I was. I was like, wait, okay, I got to cover these five school districts. But you're saying that the sports page that I used to like rip out of the paper and and, go- it. and and covet. Yeah. Now I get to control yeah. what it looks like and how and, and how it, and how it goes, and I I can put my own column on the left hand read. Yeah. And I can just tell you my thoughts about home run derby or and whatever the hell's happening.
0: My name.
1: Yeah. I lo- oh I loved. Come it. Come on. on. And on top of that, I think I was excited about. I was excited by the responsibility to a community. Yeah. And I really, really loved the people. I lo- I loved the responsibility of being like, oh, I'm your sports guy. Yeah. I could get to know the players. I knew their nicknames. I you know, like I remember when I covered baseball, I didn't even make a point to do this, but I sat in the dugout. You know, like it was it was about trying to get the, the locker room stories sure. and like kind of understand you know who you're writing about and that's awesome. Oh, it was a blast. Yeah. But like I said, the moment I was done with it, I was just like. Was I really doing that job for twenty grand a year, Uh six days a week, sixty-five hours? Hell yeah, you were. I put thirty-five thousand miles a year on my car, and maxed out a credit card, and got fat, and started smoking again. I mean, it was (laughs) just like
0: you know, it was it was was all the things you were supposed to do. (laughs) Yeah, so it all makes. I mean, so
1: so I guess that it all kind of makes sense that like I run six one four, just like a community newspaper that is now a larger. A Larger readership or a larger area of interest because that is why people give a shit and read.
0: We pause for a second because I got I want to talk more about 614 and your role there, but my producer slid over his empty glass, of course, so yeah, it gives us an opportunity minutes, man, as yeah. we do on whiskey. I, that's business. I, like whiskey.
1: I was like, Ooh, I should just drink faster so I can to, get this uh, pour in now. Actually,
0: yeah. discuss the whiskey at hand, it is the Knob Creek Rye. This comes to us from the. Are you, as far as a drinker, what do you, what's what's your, what's your poison, as they say? What do you like? Whiskey. Whiskey? (laughs) All whiskeys? Bourbons, rye, scotch whiskey. What's your, what's your? Bourbon and rye. I've been
1: drinking more scotch lately. I don't know. I've I've turned into, I was telling somebody the other day, I've turned into an old man where all of a sudden I just want everything to just be like, Dirty, dirty, and funky, like, 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 yeah, like, yeah, and I oaky want and everything smoky to be smoky. Like, <laughs> give me cheese that like almost makes you gag. Like, I uh, want like <laughs> horseradish and buffalo sauce and just I, everything
0: to just be. Mm. This is this is a good rye. This comes from the the Jim Beam Distillery. Um, it's got a little smoke to it. Some people would say not enough. They wish it had a little more smoke to it. But it's got a nice little uh, uh, smoke and oaky flavor to it. It's got a nice little bold spicy taste to it and it's got a nice right front, yeah. f- nice finish uh a nice warm and smooth finish at the end and as far as rye go i mean this is one that you can drink like we're drinking it right now with just a little bit of ice but it's also a good it's also a good one for making your your cocktails oh yeah if there is a rye and uh i always like to tell people anytime i come across something that's under 50 dollars a bottle this knob creek runs about 40 bucks a bottle for the Not knob bad. creek rye so it is 100 proof, and it is so. It's got a nice, as they say on the, on the label, patiently aged. They won't tell you how long, <laughs> but it's a small batch rye whiskey, and I love rye. I, you know, and ryes are starting to come into their own now. There's a lot more rye whiskeys available in the last uh, three, four years than there have been uh, before. Before, like you were lucky to go into a liquor store, and, and Old Overholt would be about the only rye you could get a hold of. And It's my favorite rye. Is it your favorite rye? Is my it your grandpa, favorite rye because it grandpa, was one of the few that was available? No, because my grand—well,
1: because my grandpa used to drink it. And also, uh, I think this is just something that kind of permeates any culture. You always like finding that thing that's kind of cheap. It kind of feels like a little bit of like a, a secret. Mm-hmm. It probably doesn't taste just as good as the $40 bottle. But if you find your like $13 bottle that tastes good, like, oh, yeah. that's your shit.
0: That's yeah, yeah. Like if you
1: yeah. made a million dollars and you found a pair of boots for ten dollars in a thrift store, those are your favorite boots. Those are your favorite. People boots? like a deal. People like something that is kind of like there surprising. There are
0: plenty of uh, reasonable whiskeys which we've discussed uh, on the program yeah. that are that are in the uh, twenty to twenty-five dollar range and or the thirteen to fifteen dollar range. That if you give them a little time. <laughs> yeah and and a very important point i might add if that's all there is
1: <laughs>
0: it becomes great
1: you know what my my good friend joe peppercorn who's a you know a musician uh-huh. does the beatles marathon here in columbus yeah. very talented dude but also very talented guy fantastic bartender he was the one that kind of turned me on to overholt rye when i saw the when i saw the uh when i saw the label i was like holy shit this is the same thing my grandpa had behind his bar. They never they never changed the label. No. No. It no. looks like somebody just started printing that label on like a dot matrix printer or something. I mean, I order a shot of Overholt Neat at least 3 times a week. Good for you. Why not? Good it's for $4 you. 4 dollars. That tastes so it good. Say was your
0: grandfather? Yeah. Yeah, you know, old Overholt cuz uh we discussed my my grandfather's whiskey was uh Four Roses and which we talked about in a previous podcast as well has now come back to its original state uh it it got sold and it and it got watered down and blended and so forth oh, yeah. and so on. It turned into it turned into from a, it was a prestige whiskey that went down to a bottom shelf whiskey and now uh, the new owners have brought it back to its original uh straight bourbon whiskey form so but my grandfather you know you, yeah he he drank it when it was good and when it was shit
1: yeah, that was his brand
0: that was his brand that was his label that's the one that's the that's the memory I have when I open up the cupboard and see the forbidden fruit. It was a, a Four Roses label, much like you saw, Old Overholt.
1: And for my dad, it was old. It was old Granddad. Old Granddad. I mean, like again, like something amazing about like those. There's not many products, especially products that are now enjoying a renaissance, like we mm-hmm. know bourbon and whiskey is. I mean that that old Granddad is the same. It's the same label. It's the same bottle. Right. As well, it should be. Why change it? It's twelve dollars. So I mean, like, there's something. I mean, you and I are probably kindred spirits on this, but like. You know, not everybody has an easy time with booze. It's You know, like, I'm not going to sit here and act like it's great all the time. But, like, uh, those are fond memories for me. You know what I mean? Like, nobody in my family has a problem with alcohol. But, like, alcohol and bars and the the way it brings people together and conversation and, like, you know, that's that's a huge part of my childhood. Like, you know, I never saw my parents drunk. But my parents and their friends love to drink.
0: And it seems like they drank all the time. Yeah, but they were never drunk. There, there was, was always cocktail cons- parties, and there yeah. were always people drinking and smoking and socializing. Yeah. And, but they were eating, and 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 nobody ever got... Every once in a while, somebody would get a little, maybe just, ar- all right, Don, you've had yeah. a little too much. We uh, talk about that all
1: the time, yeah. because I'll be like, you know, my dad will be like, you know, you don't have to go to the bar as much as you do. I, and I was like, well, didn't you guys raise me in the bar? And he's like, yeah, the difference is, your generation... We'll go to the bar at four and stay there till midnight, and that's mm-hmm. normal. And like they were different; they had shit to do.
0: <laughs> right, right. <laughs> and they seemed right, like the next had...
1: generation actually had like harder work to do than us. So they were just like, yeah, we couldn't actually be hungover for our marketing job,
0: probably. I, I think that's something I uh, either maybe even consciously I think I, I started to do when I when I finally moved into a bigger place and could entertain. I think I I started to lean more towards just come to my house, uh, you know, and drink and entertain at the home. I, I think I got back into that more than actually you know we go out to bars and we 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 patronize our favorite places but some of the best times have been at my house oh yeah when you know when in in a party there and entertaining there and drinking and smoking and talking and laughing and it's all self-contained those have been some of my and and that's the way it used to be people would go to each other's houses and do that yeah my parents would i mean
1: like well first of all they were like we were broke We were all broke and young and had kids. And so, I mean, like, that was your social time. Uh It was like, it was, not in fact, I don't even think sometimes they would even make plans. It was just like, whose house is it going to be? Right. And everybody brings (laughs) over a six pack or a bottle of wine or a bottle of whiskey or whatever. And you play cards and that was that. And I, I, it is kind of a, I was lamenting this the other day. Like, it's kind of a lost social art amongst the younger set of the world. I agree. Like me and my friend were talking the other day. I just like, I was like. Do you ever actually feel like you could just call me and be like, you wanna just come over and drink whiskey and watch, you know, SNL clips or yes. eat some pizza? And I'm like, yes, I would. And she's like, well, I feel like I couldn't actually ask you to do that. And I'm like, you know what? I probably am hesitant to do that as well. We don't do it as much because oh, well, we should. Well, I think it's probably let's because put it what... out there, man. Think, yeah, people here we start doing that shit. <laughs> Whoever's listening, invite yeah. me to your home, and I hold
0: <laughs> Or just invite others to your home yeah. just do it. Get out there, man. Get people no, back it, into your house. I'll spring for the pizza. No, you invite know, me that, to that's your how it home. Worked. Let people me have would, your
1: whiskey. <laughs> people
0: would come and bring bring stuff. What can I bring? You know yeah. what? I, I'm good. Bring me ice. Bring beer. Bring something to eat. Whatever. I mean, those to me have been some of the best times. Oh man. It's it
1: is always it's always more fun. Now the thing that the bar offers though is that for me at least, the bar is the place, especially if it's your kind of regular bar. Right. Where you can go and talk to and interact with a bunch of different not naturally overlapping groups of people. True. Some that you don't want to invite into your home, but right. you sure do like having a whiskey and talking to them and then
0: you move on. Yeah, because you can always leave them. That's right. Yeah, you're right. There you they're, always they're, just stare at your phone <laughs> for a little while until they get the idea. <laughs> there there is that. There is that indeed. Six one four magazine, when you got the job, when you when you applied for the job, did uh did you deserve it? Were you ready? Or were you going I in was, blind?
1: I, I didn't really apply for the job. Oh, I had you been, were asked? I had been working for the magazine from the start because I was part of the company. I was doing sports. I was doing OSU sports for you weekly as a little as a little side gig to keep my kind of sports thing going while I was working on the news side in the, in Delaware. That's where I went after Circleville. I worked for the Delaware Gazette for five years, and uh, I ended up I end, ended up making friends with the new editor. Okay, it was a fantastic. Uh, man named David S. Lewis, who's now one of my closest friends, who was the original editor of the magazine and just a great old school journalist and genuine wild ass. And I was just like, yeah, this is my guy. And I started writing for him, writing some music stuff here and there, writing some some opinion stuff, some humor stuff. So I do stand up, which I've done for about 17 years. So that was the was, magazine was the first time where I was like, oh, I could actually just write this as a comedian. That wasn't really necessarily something that made its way into you know, sports as like a credential and, uh, especially not news. And yeah, he, uh, he decided like, yeah, no, this isn't for me. He, I think he only wanted to do it for a little while. And he he did an amazing job getting it started with like a real good, unique identity. Um, and then, uh, he suggested me to be his replacement. I took the job for about a $500 a year raise. And I was like, cool, let's not work in newspapers anymore. And that was, that was that.
0: Is it frustrating or or not, or better, because it's a monthly. It's not a weekly.
1: I mean, any of my friends listening who are some of my, like, respected colleagues that work for the Columbus Alive or used to work for the other paper, fuck no, I do not want to write for a weekly. That is the most brutal, brutal turnaround in schedule. Like, I mean, my whole life has been either daily or monthly. And, I mean, the, the weekly really feels like you can never quite truly dig in the way you want to. Uh-huh. And it just feels like you're always on deadline. Don't don't you feel
0: sometimes when you do a monthly that you you know something happens and don't you feel there's been things you've missed? Oh
1: yeah, yeah. That the challenge is to find a different way to talk about it. I think that starts in the way you scope the whole magazine. You know, like, and people actually don't realize. You know, like the daily, weekly, and monthly journalists in town, we're all friends. It used to be where you're like, oh, you didn't want to give up what story you're working on because the the other daily reporter might might snake it. Now it's, hey, good story on that because. I know that I can't do what they did and they know
0: they can't do what I did. Would you have liked to have been in those days, though, when we had when we had two papers going, when we had a nighttime paper and a daytime paper? And, Somewhat. Yeah. You know, I don't know, man. I mean, I was never, you know, like,
1: I've cobbled together a journalism education right. from doing what I do, but, I mean, I would never rank myself even remotely in the top percentile of the people in town who are, like, real, dyed-in-the-wool, trained, like, hardened journalists you know like i mean there's there's two types of people i mean like that's why me and the previous editor got along well he's the kind of guy who's like put me in a sweaty records room <laughs> with a with a tape recorder and a notepad and let me come out with the scoop and i'm the guy that wants to sit around and talk for two hours and drink whiskey with a really interesting person and i create- wish you i
0: wish you could have done that tonight
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah it, it would be great if i could like, really you know summon that skill but I mean, I always wanted to, like s- I always wanted to, like dig into the person. We have this sort of like, you know, connection with a person, which is not what you're trying to do when you're reporting news. You're being a reporter. You're just right. being somebody who's just trying to like gather and harvest and organize. And you know, I always wanted to do the print version that was more like what Terry Gross does, or Dick right. Cavett, or Johnny Carson, Lo- or yeah, you know, like Dick you know, Cabot. you know, I mean, people who were just really good about injecting personality in the right slots. And then also they could just kind of like lay back and let the other person go. And Dick Cavett I didn't discover until I was like seventeen watching old, old weird syndicated content, and I was like, "Who is this dude? Oh, like yeah. he's
0: amazing. He is amazing. I've got, uh, i got that, I think a, a two box set of uh, DVDs with the best of Dick Cavett, and, and you saw with his guests. Yeah, you oh. saw
1: with the coolest fucking people in the world." only wanted to go on Dick Cavett because yeah. they knew he was legit. He was organic.
0: He know, he he knew how to do it. Yeah, yeah. and he wasn't
1: just trying to like get ratings from them. He was like no. I genuinely want to connect with these And
0: people. the wide array of guests that he had, I mean the, the you know, t- from the top comedians and actors to the top uh political shake yeah. movers and shakers of of his generation. I mean, he covered all those bases and I always found that to be amazing. Yeah. As an editor, do you find it difficult cuz you have to decide Ultimately, what, what's going to make the cut and go into the magazine? Do you, uh, Are you okay with hurting feelings? Are you okay with saying this is not so good? Or do you just, is it, uh, I mean, how yeah. is the,
1: how does that role play out? Well, we haven't talked about this yet, but 614 has almost always been primarily a freelance-driven model. Right. So the extra kicker to this is that, like, I'm not just the boss. I'm the boss of a bunch of people who are in it for the love and a little bit of money. Right. And I don't really have a whole lot of whip to crack when it comes to people doing this as their hobby or their second or third sure. job. But if it um, sucks,
0: what do you do? Um, and has it, Has there been a time where something has just, like, you know what, this is not what I was hoping it would be and I can't put it in? Oh, yeah, for sure.
1: I mean, like, you never, you never feel bad about ultimately protecting. Like, you always try to do your best to put out something that you can defend.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: even if you know somebody may not like it or if somebody says like hey that thing that you printed even if you defend it by saying like you know what it wasn't up to my standards either but sometimes you got a hole to fill and the magazine's got to go out and you try your best over the years to try to mitigate that and you know and you you live and you learn like we've developed a better system of we developed a better system where at the beginning i was just like holy shit i gotta i gotta fill 80 pages <laughs> now it's 100 and, we're about to finish a magazine that's 164 pages yeah literally twice what the first issue was that I worked on. And I, at the time, I think it was so scattershot. i just like, that sounds like a story. Cool. Send it to me. <laughs> and, and, you know, you end up not printing stuff cause it's not where you want it to be. And so I've developed a better system of, of the way people pitch stories to me about like mm-hmm. at the, at the front end saying, here's what we do. Here's the type of stories that we're looking for. Here's the way you can shape your voice And then people actually giving me a better kind of dossier of how to approach a story. And do
0: you still contribute?
1: Yeah, a little bit less. I've definitely moved into the background a little bit. I've become more of a kind of like a big picture, like, which has been fun. I mean, like, like writing does get boring after a while. And I like having other people get that spotlight. And I get much more of a kick about being behind the scenes and, you know, coming up with a a clever photo cover concept.
0: Is there a next level or do you or what or do we go back to what you said before? We grow as the city grows
1: yeah i mean there are certain like actual practical limitations i mean like you know i have less staff now than i did three mm-hmm. years ago and more to do now what you get with that is flexibility you know we don't have a full-time photographer anymore we had had that for about six and a half years now we don't so the the, the downside of that is i don't have an ace to go to that could help me handle even the most complicated of, of photo uh, requests the the good news is that like I can go on Instagram. I could be laying in my bed and go on Instagram and be like, who is this person? I don't even know right. who that is. And send him an email and say, do you, do you want to work with us? And I, and like I guess
0: work. I guess that is the beauty, you know, because I, I was uh, extolling the virtues of, of newspapers and books. And I didn't mean to diss the Internet because you do find there's a lot of people. You can get a lot of freelance people, photographers as well, as a result of the Internet. I was going to say, let's so also
1: cool. take a moment to address how fucking hilarious that is, the intro this internet radio show by being like you remember right, print right 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 before right, it was right, all internet right, right, these days I get, that.
0: <laughs> I get i get the i get the irony of it all i really do <laughs> but i really but, do but but, was, but, but it's up but i feel like i need to to through this device this podcast the the internet i i think i still need to to hang on to the things that i believe in and we discussed a lot of those things yeah.
1: you know well, there's a freedom there too i mean like you know like we we're not we're not we're not a radical publication. No. But also like, we'll curse. We'll not use AP style. My friend Lindsay Teeter, who used to be one of my favorite writers for the other paper, who's now off raising hogs. Ironically, she's off raising hogs, and I'm doing journalism in the city when that's what I grew up doing.
0: Uh <laughs> Sometimes the tables turn, right. my
1: friend. But I mean like but I mean like I remember not even know I didn't even know Lindsay and I reached out to her when the other paper uh got got uh, shuttered and I said, Hey, I've got a perfect other paper style idea on how we can pay tribute to the other paper. And I had her write an obituary of the other paper. Sweet. You know, and like so so the magazine to me has been like, again, as somebody who's done different forms of forms of journalism or forms of writing and likes doing comedy and doing shows and finding different ways to show people something entertaining. The magazine form, the format is is so freeing because like there there are no fucking rules rules for me are that the advertisements go here and they go there. And they go there and, and that we and, keep getting them. <laughs> and honestly, like not just to kiss ass, but like to my, to my boss and to the people that sell the ads, the people that buy the ads, no one's ever had so far, no one's ever had any big issue with trying to make the editorial match the ads. Right. You know, sometimes we write about an advertiser, sometimes we don't. And that's the way the cookie crumbles. But I think they know that we're always authentically trying to put a product out that, that is now and that people want to read you don't always hit every single mark perfectly but you know also there's there's a nice position to be in where like it's it's
0: free who decides on the cover
1: (laughs) well it's become my thing it's become like the thing that I lose sleep over or get extra proud of but that also over the course of many many years would not have happened without a lot of also talented people who Mm -hmm. take my weird ramblings and they they strain out all the dumb parts as a person who's not a talented <laughs> artist and they take just the good parts and they go like oh and then they made it a real thing that was better than what i was suggesting oh the first man place. i wish
0: i wish i could do that in radio take away, <laughs> all, right. take away all the dumb parts and just leave the smart parts that would have been about a seven minute career yeah, that's, over that's the great. last 24. that's great job let me yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, let me ask you a couple of quick quick questions because we're running out of time of course and i were. don't get a chance to, to ask these type of questions They're simple. There's nothing, nothing deep or fancy, but it gives me a better idea of who you are because I've known you for a few years. But I don't know who's your favorite writer,
1: or one of them. I think with this, you have to just go with the first thing that comes to mind. Right, Um, Chuck Klosterman. Okay, really like Chuck Klosterman. No, that was Chuck Palahniuk. Chuck Palahniuk. Chuck Uh, uh, Klosterman. Thank you. Clausterin mostly for the reason because, like, fucked up my chucks. I love, I love, I I did, I did love his, his novels. I loved his music writing, but, um, I think during that time in Circleville, while I was also reading, like, Sex Drugs and Cocoa Puff, and I think Four was his novel, like, he played with form. He wrote these, like, you know, he wrote, like, I don't know if you remember the one where he, he visited all the tragic sites of rock and roll tragedies, like the Great White Fire and where the plane crashed with Mm -hmm, Buddy Holly mm -hmm. and Richie Valens. And that would be like chapters one, three, five, seven, nine. He had this braided essay of him breaking up with a woman, like mixed throughout. And then I found out that he worked for the Akron Beacon Journal. I also know that he used to write stuff for ESPN.com, page two. And I was like, oh, this is my guy.
0: That's your guy.
1: There's Ohio there, there's music, there's sports, sports. there's comedy. And like, you know. He-
0: so, would favorite him being one of your favorite writers, he, would he also be, be uh, one of your favorite books?
1: Favorite books. You know, maybe this is the time to make a confession, especially since I've been working in editing. And I've never for read a years. book. I, <laughs> I don't I, know I'm, how to read. I am currently illiterate. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's turned into a very special episode of Whiskey Business, <laughs> where Dino Tripotis teaches Travis uh, how we should read. Oh man, that's funny. No, I, I haven't been reading as much, and I, and honestly, I think even when I was a kid, though, when everybody was reading books, you were reading papers. I was reading papers and magazines. I understand. So I, I always feel a little bit kind of out of my depth when people talk about their favorite authors. So I'm just like, ooh, I okay. don't actually really have like a But you do. You yeah. yeah. You mentioned Chuck. But I don't have that as much. Um I'm more of a film
0: guy. I'm, because that's my next yeah, question. Yeah. What's your favorite movie? First one that pops into mind, man.
1: <laughs> Can I do two that <laughs> yeah, are completely you could do two. different? You could do two. Citizen Kane.
0: Uh huh. Fletch. Fletch with Chevy Chase. Fletch was based the first... on the Gregory mcdonald novels. Did you ever read the Fletch novels, dude? You got to read the Fletch should. novels. They're
1: great. Turns out journalism wasn't exactly the way that
0: <laughs> Fletch F. Fletch taught me would be. I was not going right, to be roller skating. Right. On but the isn't that funny? You read that, and yeah. you become enamored. That's I it. can't think of two films that are further apart. And so Citizen Kane just like blew my fucking mind. Sure, Even why though, shouldn't like,
1: it? It clearly is the you know regarded as the. As what, one, yeah. one to three best sure. American films it of always all time. But like, I just thought I was kind of obsessed with Orson Welles and the notion of these people who are like, right? Maybe that's our theme here, like people who like play with format and play with form. Maybe. come in and say like, because I've never thought of myself as like a risk taker at all, and I still don't think that I am. But I do clearly get some kind of glee in being like, what if we do it like this? What if this month the magazine's not a magazine at all? It's a coloring book. <laughs> you know, like we used to do stuff like that. We used to like, and I, and I never got to do that with a newspaper. It was always just sort of like, oh right. no, here's how you do Here it. Is how you do it. it this is the way it. This
0: is what this is what people expect. So we were
1: brand new, so nobody had any expectations. So we right. Like,
0: so yeah, I, I can't argue with this, Citizen Kane, but you know that, that that I I hate it when your answer, not only you, me as well, when your answer seems to be a cliche answer because, but then but then you save it when you say Fletch.
1: I actually wrote a paper. The final paper I wrote in college for my film studies course was a comparison of Wells, William Randolph Hearst, mm-hmm. and Charles Foster Kane. Like, oh. the, like the character itself was kind of this weird amalgam of they were all. You still pe- have that
0: somewhere? Hell
1: <laughs> no. No, I probably didn't even spell check it. That's the bad part. I was a shitty student. That's very. Uh, yeah, but that sounds very interesting. I'd like to read that. But that was but that was part of the fun. I mean, I was. It's probably shit. But I mean, it's like probably it's not six one four studies. Maybe see again. Maybe six one four at some point should just have like a homework edition where everybody in Columbus just like drags up their old papers and we like. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I honestly I love stuff like that. Like we've done, I don't know how I even mean, how much time we have. But, we got, but, it Doesn't matter.
0: It's the internet. Right. It's that's a podcast. A we can go as long as we want.
1: We've done so much dumb shit, and we're almost more proud of the dumb shit mm-hmm. and how it kind of failed because. To the average public, it probably didn't fail super hard, but we were just sort of like, well, we ain't doing that again. One, one month we did as a cover story, not a story at all, because we always just had this notion of just like, who says we have to just be like 10 great brunch places this month? And one month we did a, this was what, July of 2013, I think? Our cover story was writing a movie script based in Columbus, literally in script language. And we enlisted Columbus Stars to help us be characters. And we, I mean, like, it's one of the most fun and stressful things I ever did for (laughs) almost no payoff. Uh
0: People probably either
1: like, at best, didn't give one shit. What are you doing? And at worst, we're just like, what? I'm Mm -hmm. trying to read about the best restaurants in Columbus. You guys are doing this. But I mean, but it got to involve me. Standing there with a like, putting my stand-up comedy friend in a bullwhip and an eye patch, <laughs> and directing him on how to pose for a photo with <laughs> Nina West with a drag queen <laughs> in the middle of Franklin uh, Park Conservatory. We we're trying to make it look like sure. they were in some sort of weird wooded and you know garden environment. Mikey Sorbro with Mikey's Late Night Slice and his his partner Jason, uh, who ran the pedicab business literally organized like a pedicab chariot race with like guys in ninja costumes on like 36 hours notice sure we we tied him up and fake kidnapped him on the roof of mikey's late night slice food truck on top of a parking garage in broad daylight and
0: be honest be honest at that particular moment when you were creating that, you're probably never never happier
1: yeah, or, right. Or, or, just, or just, 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 just full of joy. You were thrilled by the idea that you're like, this is fucking stupid. <laughs> it's
0: so ridiculous. Yeah, you're like this is so, it's so dumb. So dumb. It's so Why dumb, are we doing this? But I've never been happier. Yeah.
1: And, they, <laughs> and, and, and you know, and the local businesses were down to do it too. And I think that's that's probably part of like what has happened with us. We're like, I'm proud that I think people were like, oh, well, if six one four comes calling, yeah, there's a chance we might do something different than just your average interview cool. or your average photo shoot or your average whatever. And I, it's been it's been fun to be to be a part of that
0: let me ask you this uh and i hope i'm not prying too much when i ask this or or asking you to divulge something you're not ready to divulge but what do do you want the next step to be where do you see yourself going after 614 um
1: well i think the goal would be to keep finding ways to bring people up through 614 because that Mm -hmm. part of the fun has been taking people that are not even intending to be writers or magazine writers, and they become some of our best. Okay, I, I respect that. But what does
0: Travis still want to do that he hasn't done yet?
1: Um, I would like to do anything that serves the community. Honestly, like it, it's, it was, I didn't get into newspapers. I didn't get into newspapers to serve the community, but I think I realize, especially now over the course of like fifteen years, that's a big, big part of the fulfillment.
0: How do you me. want to do that? Um, it could be anything. You want to um, do it creatively? Yeah. yeah because I, it seems like it has to be at I this think my, point. Well, I think like
1: something we didn't talk about before is that like, you know, when I got into journalism without a journalism degree, I was never like, Oh, okay, well I'm in there. Every year I thought, well, that's two years that I made this happen. Probably be working at Chase soon. Right. I just always had this feeling of just like I'll have to do what every other person like me has done, and just kind of like I'm
0: familiar with that feeling. Yeah,
1: like just kind of call it a day. Uh, and I've been really, really fortunate to be able to always find a lily pad to kind of jump to before it's like before it's like detonation
0: time. You're talking to the stand-up comic who never did a worked in radio until he got this job. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. every day I I feel. That I'm fortunate to be on that same lily pad year after year. Yes. I right. mean, I, ter- I I started a radio job that I thought would last a year, and now I'm going into my 24th. Yeah, I'm going. You know how how much longer can I pull this sure. off? Sure, I, I still feel the same way. Yeah. I think that's
1: part of what makes you but, feel vibrant in your job yeah. because
0: it does. You don't take it for granted. Yes, and that's a huge,
1: huge. In six one four, and honestly, in six one four, as. Given me something so much bigger than just seeing your name in print, which right. is just, you know, like it's made me love the city. Like I said, to, to a, a larger extent, I didn't feel as much of a part of when I was living in the burbs and commuting to another town. Um, it's made me, it's made me really, really appreciate the idea of being a part of the community. And, you know, this, this term has become kind of a shitty buzzword, but mm-hmm. I do realize that I've been, I'm a good curator. I'm a good, like, I'm a good, I'm a good connector. And I, I like, that's more, a great word. More than anything. I actually like connecting people behind the scenes more than even an egotistical attention seeking stand-up comic <laughs> writer. As much as you get a little bit of like a high out of being on a podcast sure. or stuff like that. Uh, I really, really dig the idea of like somebody just, you know, Two years later, coming up to you and saying like, hey, thanks for connecting me to that person. You're like, shit, I forgot about that. Yeah. And that's more satisfying than anything, you know, like that's, so whatever I find after this that helps me, you know, do something like that would be great. I mean, I, I love, I would love to work in nonprofits. I would love to make documentaries. I got a lot of things that if I could just, you got fingers, a lot of ideas,
0: you got a lot of things cooking on back burners. Yes. Well, one of the things that's been our back on our back burner is getting you on as a guest. So thank you, brother, so much Cheers. for, thank for you coming. Know. I hope you enjoyed yourself this of evening. I hope you enjoyed the Knob Creek, our guest Thanks bottle. Thanks for all that you
1: do in the community. Like, um, we've got to do I, I
0: together. And... I don't even think about it anymore. I mean, I, mean, I just it, it's falling. become part of the fabric of, of what I do. So, you It know. still feels fun to say yes to that, right? Yeah, you know what absolutely. I mean? Like, like
1: your schedule gets weird, but it's like when people go like, oh man, that one thing I went to, like, because we do this stuff all the time. Right. And then somebody went to one thing and they're like, oh, that thing you did, it was hilarious. Or like, even they're not even talking about you, they're talking about just the whole the day the whole, whole night night's yeah. fun. Yeah, like getting to do that That's is... That's the best. Yeah, and the best part is I'm not a government reporter. Like, I've been able to find this sort of weird little niche where I'm actually not required to behave in a certain way. Exactly. Just like you. Exactly. I'm not required to behave in a certain way. Uh-huh. I always like you know keep my shit together, obviously, but like to the best of go, our to yeah, the best
0: of our abilities.
1: Of but I can go MC an event. I can go do comedy at this event. Nobody goes like, well, that's not the behavior I've come to expect from the editor of Six One Four Magazine because <laughs> they already know. It's like, hey, <laughs>
0: well, let me let me let me uh, not correct you, but sometimes when I've done stand up, I've I've walked out of the club and i've had people go uh, that was not what i expected from the morning show host at Sunday 95. i've gotten Fair that point. a little bit so maybe i'm so, just lucky that so well, maybe yeah, <laughs> yeah. they enjoyed it but it wasn't they it wasn't what they were expecting which i think is that's, also a nice surprise I same with me too. I mean, well of
1: course i mean i i mean my my opening volley my letter at the beginning of every 614 is not like my stand up right in fact the funny part is when i look through my iphone notes i get confused sometimes i'm just like well that's a shitty joke it wasn't a joke it was like a little note to write into the magazine because it's a very different <laughs> magazine you know than doing something in a club or something that somebody's going to read while they're waiting on their chicken
0: wings well continued success with 614 magazine you, and continued success to whatever you decide to do next and in the Thank future you very much. you've been a very uh it's been a lot of fun a lot you know i love this podcast because well. we talk about what you do but we also dig into See, I love the minutia, the little stories. Yep. I love hearing about your grandfather and the old overholt and your dad wanting the sanctity of that newspaper. That's the shit that that makes me thrilled to do whiskey business, which I need to say a couple of things. First of all, a big thank you to Greg Hansberry, our producer, Cheers. as always, for putting the pieces together and to tell you that uh, whiskey business is a... Never the Luck production recorded here with the cooperation of the Columbus Radio Group. All the opinions are those of your host, me, Dino Tripodos, and my reluctant guests. Never meant to offend, only to inform and, of course, entertain. And so, until the next bottle, cheers.